Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show on another grand and glorious day here in the best little city in America. You know that as Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we're going to spend a couple hours engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation, as is our want. We'll hit some uh, politics. Politics. Maybe some politics today. I'm thinking there might be some politics. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters is with us. Thankfully, thanks for spending some time with us on your radio, Information 1000 KSOO, streamed live at KSO.com, the KSO mobile app. We were on Twitter at P. Lally Show. I don't know why. I'm going up at the end of all my sentences. Oh, my geez. Oh, my geez. (laughs) What is wrong? I was going to break that string, but then you just kind of wrap back on it. Come on, man. I did. Come on. Come on, man. You know, back in, uh, way back in the dim mist of history when I worked in retail, I worked for a, a, a department store, and and all the uh, this is a long time ago, and all the managers, uh, it was it just became part of the some of this weird company culture. They're good people, but they all went up at the end of their sentences. Do you think we could get this straightened up over here? <laughs> this like one time at Bandcamp. <laughs> That's exactly it, and it just I think it just became kind of infectious, you know. But they all did it. And it was kind of funny. Yeah, we have one of the there. There's a there's a guy from Canada that I encountered, and that and, and that's the way he talks. Yeah, you just, you just can't can't escape it. No, you can't lose it once you get it. So now I hope I don't get it. I don't want to have that sort of inflection. Not that there's anything wrong if that's the way you talk, or if you've got the vocal fry or all the other things that you know the the, the idiosyncrasies of speech that are out there. They're all fine. You know, I'm not making because I have my own. As you know, I, I sometimes stumble. Sometimes my tongue gets a little wrapped around my teeth, as it were, which is which is great when you're in broadcasting. It's perfect. That's exactly what you want. <laughs> yes, and if you try to collect your thoughts, well, then nothing's happening. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, anyway, to collect my thoughts, um, first of all, no public input tonight uh, at Club David. There's no council meeting. So if you were thinking about going down to Club David tonight and hanging out with us for uh, public input, no council meeting, so no public input. There you have it. And then no public input for next Tuesday night because it's election night. That's right. It's election night. So we'll come back after the election, see how it goes. Uh, but you know what is this weekend is Madtown Cross, cyclocross racing at its finest. Oh, and it's going to be juicy. Is it going to be juicy? It's oh, yeah. Chilly? Yeah. What's the? Give me the bad news, man. All right. Rain or snow likely, all rain after 9 a.m., high 45. Chance in, of precipitation, 60%. In Madison? In, Su- in Sioux Falls. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. It's probably pretty close to the same thing in Madison. I mean, it's good if you're into cyclocross. It's good. It's fun. Muddy, sloppy mess. It's grand and glorious. But I've had a lot, I've had a lot of muddy, sloppy mess this year. Okay, Madison on Saturday, snow likely before 10 a.m., rain and snow between 10 and 11, rain likely after 11, high 43. That's Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Okay, what's Sunday look like? Mostly cloudy, 44. Okay. Okay, so it won't be, there's there's racing Saturday evening and, and Sunday day, so, whoo, yeah, golly, going to be a good time up in Madison, South Dakota for the Madtown Cross. It's uh They have it right next to the Playhouse there, if you're familiar with the Dakota State University campus, and uh, it's a good time. I, I saw some photos. Uh, John Barry and the crew up there from uh, Madtown Cycling are are preparing some rather unique um, features because John Barry, my friend John Barry, is a little nuts on these things. He's always wanting to jump things. There's no jumping. There's no ramps in cyclocross. I mean, there are ramps, but not... Where you just fly, not like the ones you built when you were a kid, you know, out of like a, a piece of plywood and some cinder blocks. Not like that. But you go up and then you come down. There should be no uh, uh, forced launching, forced airtime of your bike in cyclocross. So I'm hoping he's not gone too crazy up there. Well, then that would come back in the feedback. Yeah, that's right. It's like, Charlie, <laughs> what are you doing? Come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, my geez, you can't do that. 
Uh, so that's what I got. That's going to be, it's going to be a great weekend then. Typical sort of November. Yeah, early November. Yeah. Yeah. No, I c- can't expect anything less. And then Lamar's the next weekend, usually something like that. Snow. Snow. Nothing like riding in snow. Well, they don't call it Frosty Cross or no, nothing. No, they don't. They don't call it Frosty. That's because why it's, it's always snowing. But So we got a good couple of weekends coming up a racing, and I'll let you know how that goes. we got a great show for you today. Our guests include uh, Argus Leader Media reporter Jonathan Ellis. will be here to talk politics and polling. Uh, the Boon Man is our weird friend of the day, and he's got some thoughts on different things. Blogger Pat Powers of the South Dakota War College is in for more politics, and I'll have a P&L statement just after the break here. Today's topic, oh, geez, oh, my geez. It's our old friend, our old pal, our old Northwest Iowa buddy, Steve King. The King! The King! He's in a little trouble. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Sixteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and it's time of the day for the PNL statement, in which we look through the news and find things that interest us, uh, get our attention, cause us great consternation or superb joy. The superb joy thing doesn't happen nearly enough. You could make it rhyme and say elation, consternation to elation, <laughs> consternation and elation. That's good. I like that. That's why Dan's here. That's why he's Uber producer Dan Peters, not just producer Jan, Dan Peters, because he goes that extra mile. Uh, so today, uh, it's a, a series of stories, really, uh, about uh, our old friend, our pal, our chum from Northwest Iowa, the uh, fourth district congressman, I believe it is, from Iowa, Mr. Steve King. And uh, Mr. King, as you as you may or may not know, is has... Always uh, uh, not had trouble um, saying things that cause people uh, concern. And, uh, you know, he we talked about this just recently. And so this is kind of an update. But he had been making comments about and, and tweeting about uh, some various folks around the world who uh, perhaps had been uh, portrayed, uh, uh, suggested that maybe they weren't um, the most egalitarian folks in the world. Uh, and he has, uh, uh, including, he has expressed admiration for Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, who was accused by race, of racism by the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. He endorsed long-shot Toronto, Canada mayoral candidate Faith Goldie, who has said, among other things, that the Nazis in Charlottesville last year have well-thought-out ideas. The neo-Nazi website Daily Stormer has referred to King approvingly as basically an open white nationalist at this point. Um, and so uh, it's uh, today what happened. So that was from, uh, this is a story from uh, uh, StarTribune.com, which was headlined, Lando Lakes will halt support for controversial Iowa Congressman Steve King. Uh, so that apparently they Lando Lakes PAC had been giving him money. Uh, they're not going to do that anymore because people on social media have been beating him down. Then, uh, so there's a CNN story today, GOP lawmaker Steve King's rhetoric under scrutiny in wake of Pittsburgh shooting. And he didn't really say anything new. It's just that all this stuff is sort of coming up. And uh, he has been doing a lot of interviews, uh, the Washington Post. And he was on a, uh, he had an interview on WHO, I think it was the TV station out of Des Moines, where he uh, defended his support for the, the, the guy who was running for mayor up there in Toronto saying there's this police action going on that once someone has been labeled by the left when they're all by the left, we're all supposed to step away from them and shun them for whatever they might have said. When asked by the interview if Goldie's Goldie is a supremacist, supremacist, the congressman said, I don't know that. I've not seen the evidence of that. Nothing came out in our conversations that would indicated that. Well, I mean, there's. He he says he's not uh, anti-Semitic and he says he's not. Uh, a white nationalist. He says, no one who knows me says that. And there are a lot of people that know me. The people who know me don't say that I'm effective and they attack the people who are effective. 
They try to marginalize affected people and they do it through intimidation. This is cyberbullying that's going on. That's in the CNN story. That's what he told WHO. Now, um, it's yeah. the problem is, is that that's not it, Steve. It's, it's not that you're being cyberbullied or that people are trying to marginalize you because of something that's just, you know, uh, something they disagree with. He is always, and I, again, just to, to recapitulate this, I, I covered Steve King uh, in his first election for the state house in Iowa because uh, his hometown of Kieran is very close to Sioux City. And so that was one of the districts that I covered. And then I covered him in the legislature. And then watched as he went on to win a primary that I couldn't believe he won. And then he's been in Congress since 2003, I believe. He's, I don't think that he really understands sometimes that he is walking a very, very narrow edge. All right? Between being a white nationalist, racist, uh, anti uh you know, just basically being um, uh, a white supremacist, okay? Because he, he says these things that, are, that have these echoes of, of just Nazism and, and white nationalism. And, and he attracts all these people who like that stuff. And then he says, well, it's not, you know, I, I don't believe that stuff. Well, it's... So there was this uh, interview with him in August uh, that has come up again. This is in the CNN story, uh, King, where he uh, questioned the value of diversity, reiterating his belief that it is, quote, not a strength and asking, quote, what does it bring that we don't have that is worth the price? This is an interview that was published in in Zunzersen, which is a German or it's Austrian. Uh, it is a uh, publication associated with Austria's Freedom Party, which is founded by a former Nazi SS officer and is now led by Heinz Christian Strach, who is active in neo-Nazi circles as a youth. Uh, you know, good people. The Post noted, uh, this is in a Washington Post story that quoted this interview, that, quote, the party has distanced itself from those connections, but, quote, recently embraced a hardline anti-immigration stance while seeking ties with other far-right parties and leaders abroad. King suggested in that same interview that uh, George Soros, you know, the great, uh, uh, dem- the great liberal uh, contributor who uh, has become a demon for so many on the right, has propped up a range of liberal causes and speculated that he might have funded the Women's March, this big march in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, you know, it's he, he says all kinds of outlandish stuff and it's just it, it's just it's coming back on him. Because when it's not that Steve King believes that people should be uh, that vi- he doesn't believe in violence. He's not a violent guy, but he also has a Confederate flag on his desk. You know, it's hard to, to hear. It's hard to listen to his explanations when his imagery and many of his words are so contrary to the basic tenets of American principles. And then. Also today, this. This is uh, from The Hill. And I originally saw this tweet from uh, some other people today and tracked it back and found this. Uh, The GOP campaign chief says Steve King comments, actions, and retweets completely inappropriate. So Representative Steve Stivers from Ohio, he's the head of the GOP uh, Republican Congressional Campaign Committee, um, He condemned uh, King for his remarks that supported white nationalist politicians. Here's his tweet. Congressman Steve King's recent comments, actions, and retweets are completely inappropriate. We must stand up against white supremacy and hate in all forms, and I strongly condemn this behavior. So I believe the last time I talked about this, I said that uh, uh, Republicans need to do something and say something because Folks like Steve King are, are dragging them all over to what is an untenable position. If you are involved in America, American politics, it is, it is a pr- practically a bad thing to do to be connected to statements like Steve King's. It is, it is uh, uh, morally 
wrong. If you, if you have any sense of uh, human rights, any sense of individual rights, and any sense that we are all people on this earth put in different circumstance, these are, these are not tenable positions. So this is a good thing for Representative Steve Stivers of Ohio to say. I applaud him for taking this position. He's not trying to kick him out of Congress. He's just saying, I don't like this behavior, and I am the head of the Congressional Republican Campaign Committee. I would encourage other Republicans to take that same stance because these borderline racist positions and ambiguous statements when it comes to white nationalism only erode legitimate Republican positions on the economy, on taxes, on social policy. It's killing you guys. And the more you let it hang on the fringes of the party, the more it's going to drag you down. Whether that's Steve King or Donald Trump. The ambiguity is bad when it comes to what we believe to be moral absolutes. And maybe there are no absolutes. Maybe maybe there are no moral absolutes. But if we lose the idea that what you are trying to find is some sort of truth in the world, if you stop doing that, you may as well just give up. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me? You can reach me, Patrick, at KSO.com. You can follow us on Twitter at P. Lally Show and chat with us there. We always like that. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with the Boon Man on Weird Friends. Always a good time. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got Michael 45 right by my side. 3.35 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I'm very happy to have on the phone with us from Parts Unknown, somewhere up in the Boone Cave, the Boone Man. Boone Man, uh, how, are, how do things look from your high above a, on your perch up there on the uh, Clock Tower Square? Leafy. <laughs> or less leafy, maybe? Uh, yeah, leaves are all over the place. I got, I got some leaves inside the back door of my office. Pretty soon I'm going to be able to jump in a pile of them. <laughs> That'd be fun. Just keep blowing in. Yeah, that's not good, man. You got to get one of them atriums. Yeah. Keep, keep all that stuff from happening. Well, do you even? You don't out at the out at the compound. You don't. You don't like pick up leaves, do you? Well, I will mow them up and chop them up, and yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it, uh, and I don't. I don't rake. No. No, that would be silly, and unless you want to, like, you know, have a big fire. Well, you know, I do have. Uh, I got that. That the. the, the a leaf fire just doesn't last. No, you got to have some. You got to have some lumber in there, and uh, so no, I, I did have a, a, a little fire pit action uh, Saturday night. Nice. So, you know, I've got a lot of tree. I've got a lot of old um, maple trees. They're probably sixty years old and sixty feet tall. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, every time the wind blows, branches that broke off years ago that have been stuck up in the tree oh, yeah. fall into the yard and they're all dried and boy they make a nice fire they oh boy they fire do. on saturday they burn nice yeah That's always and good. then yeah, and then a little kiln dried lumber and an accelerant <laughs> you got a fire <laughs> now you got a fire sort of just puts you in the whole mind then that see that's a nice sort of uh late october fire that that kind of it makes you feel like halloween is really that time of year is upon us and it and it, it gets you to, to flash back to you know d- days of yore when you know anybody could have a fire oh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you, it was be odd that you weren't burning something in a barrel out <laughs> in the alley that's right that's exactly it that back in the when we were when we were lads 
Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember Halloween back then? It was a little oh. bit, I mean, it, you know, I mean, it's it, people with the costumes and everything, they've gone completely overboard, but it was a little different deal back then. It was, you know, I remember very clearly the old haunted house there on uh, Minnesota Avenue, about 13th of Minnesota. Mm, yes. On the west side. Yes, uh, that place was creepola any time of the year. Truly terrifying every other day of the year, and then even more so uh, during when, when the J.C. set that up. Now, I don't remember, I, don't, I probably didn't go there the first year they set it up. I think it was probably nine. Mm-hmm years old, but I do remember standing in line, you know, around the block. I mean, it would be up and down Minnesota Avenue to get in, and the screams of terror coming from within. And, oh, that was a great haunted house. It was. And, it was and, really and good. To the mall. You know, <laughs> I, I, uh, I remember really being, I think I maybe only went once. Oh. And I was a young kid, and I remember being legitimately terrified oh and, and i think scared the whole time you were in line yeah, that's right. not even in the place and because after it started you know the stories were like oh yeah. probably probably worse than the actual thing but then when you got there you were just so jacked up that anything would have and it, i i i just remember i'm never doing that again <laughs> and you know you, you can't replicate that in the a strip mall no that house just the I mean, just the bones of the house were just terrifying. Yeah, yeah, and they finally well, that's the spot too where they had that tree, really big uh, yeah. uh, uh, evergreen tree of some sort, spruce tree or something, and they you know very heavily decorated for Christmas. So it was it was a very fest on one hand a very frightening and then a very festive spot. Yeah, you know, the tree is still there. Is it? It's still decorated. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought they tore that thing down. Well, they tore the house down. Yeah, well, the houses are long gone from there, yeah. yeah. But the so, tree is still there. The tree is still there and still is decorated. Yeah, yeah. In, I suppose. I just don't know. Much better now, you know, with you know, the kind of Christmas lights they have now. But LEDs. That whole, that whole area was just a, a magnet for fun stuff as a kid. Remember Granny's when Granny's oh, opened yeah. up there at 14th in Minnesota in the old Red Owl? That, you know, Granny's uh, was like this... It was like a wonderland. <laughs> incredible. They had bumper cars inside yeah. and mini golf and every video game you could ever imagine. And I remember just like scraping together a few dollars to go in there, you know. Yeah, it, was, it was great. Now, Granny's didn't last very long. And then it, mm. was, then it was Piccadilly. No, I think it was Circus. Then it was Piccadilly Circus. Then it was Giggleby. Yeah, and then Giggleby's, of course, lasted a long time with the the, yeah. the, uh, uh, the Wilbur thing. And the bumper cars were still there. The yeah. mini golf had gone away, but the, the, they put in the uh, more video games and such. But that was a it was a great place to go. Yeah, well, indoor mini golf maybe didn't make a lot of sense to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this uh, this part of the country, you know, maybe not, but it is a... The big use of square footage and not a lot of return on the dollars. Yeah, and then there's, you know, golf balls bouncing around underneath the, the, the pinball machines and such. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they had some protection, but it, it, it wasn't foolproof by any means. No. And remember when that one kid we knew won the moped from Granny's? <laughs> the grand opening, and he won the moped. I mean a moped. Not a yes. Scooter, not a little mini bike, but a moped with pedals and stuff, and it was ridden. Year round, yes, <laughs> because he didn't have a car and never serviced. <laughs> no, no, and that's why it eventually came to a, an unceremonious, uh, uh, you know, end. Just I think it just locked up one day. Did it get thrown into Cova Lake? <laughs> I think it did. <laughs> uh, that one kid we know, um, yeah, he uh, he, I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen an actual moped. You know, no, I don't. these were the ones you had to actually pedal. Yeah. And then it had like an assist. The engine would start. Yeah. And, you know, it was constantly running out of gas. And <laughs> I think it did end up on the bottom of the lake. I'm betting, I'm betting that a certain uh, former, uh, uh, not former friend, a, a former resident, a uh, friend of yeah. ours down in uh, Florida who listens to the show quite regularly could uh, probably detail said uh, demise of moped. Uh, Point the location. Yes, he may be able to tell us exactly where it is. Uh, but you know, here's another beef I have with Halloween, though, is I don't remember as a kid that it got transferred to the Saturday before 
if it wasn't on a Friday or Saturday. No. Is that, that's, now, is I, that really happening? Well, it is. It does. You know, I think there were some trick-or-treaters out Saturday. What? Out the bars and stuff, sure. But I think there were some trick-or-treaters out on, uh, 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 on Saturday. But I think you have to go out officially on Halloween. Halloween. Well, that's ridiculous. You can't start that. Too. That that's. Yeah. Just... And then what? And then now, fortunately, I don't have neighbors. Nobody comes trick or treating out of the ranch. Yes. It's fine. It's know, good. And, uh, so I don't have to pretend that I'm not home. Like a lot of <laughs> do. And, um, but you know, it's a pain if you're living in town and you you, you want to give out candy. You got some kid coming to your house on Saturday night. And you got nothing. Three days before Halloween, it's like. Uh, here's a here. here's a buck. Here's a bag of pretzels. <laughs> you out of here, you know. I got some Doritos over here in this bowl. <laughs> have a couple, you know. <laughs> I don't know. And the costumes, like you said, they're very elaborate. Now. Yes. Hey, you know what? I want to talk to you about your costume. I, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you across the break because I always do. And uh, uh, I wanna I wanna talk about perhaps. One of the greatest moments in, in Halloween costume history that I involves you. exactly what you're talking about. All right, well, we'll be right back. We're going to talk more with the Boone Man on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Detour across the river, make it back home before dawn. In my hand. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. We're chatting with the Boone Man and Weird Friends, and uh, we've been all oh, reliving the glories of Halloween's past. Uh, we were talking about costumes right before the break and, yeah. and it reminded me, I just had a flashback to what was quite possibly the greatest costume, not necessarily because the technical aspects of it. You're talking about the technical aspects of these things, but because of the pure, uh, 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 theater of it. And that was, that was the year that you and, and our, our other friend, uh, who, I don't know if we should drag him into this or not. Uh, but uh, we're, we're, we're Hans and Franz. Yeah, I mean, it had to be like 1987, 88, right in there. It was when, it was when uh, Dana Carvey and... Uh, Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon did that Hans and Franz on Saturday Night Live. And, you know, it was a costume that was, uh, you know, gray sweats. <laughs> gray sweatpants, gray sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, it was not expensive. We, we borrowed a couple of weight belts from uh, from a certain high school and... I'm not sure they got back. <laughs> and uh, you know, just black shoes and then a little bit of tooth black for the gap there in the teeth. And, oh, God. And, you know, so maybe, maybe a, a total of $20 was spent on the costume, and uh, it was great. I mean, the costume was great. And then, of course, you know, all the padded, the fake muscles, that was just you know, clothes and stuff. Toilet paper. <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm telling you, not only was it a great costume that didn't cost very much, but we cleaned up oh my god and this is the genius of it because back then for whatever reason bars had contests where they gave away money <laughs> cash uh cash and uh you know like tabs you get yep. we got cash and like a, a bar tab and i think that at night city or maybe on halloween it was fright city yeah there you go. At, at night city and that was a deal there where it was saturday the saturday before mm-hmm and the day of, they had, we, we won the costume contest both times <laughs> in Night City. Uh, and then once at a little place on 41st Street, known as Doc and Eddie's. Oh, yeah. Dark and Empties. Dark and Empties. There and Night City twice. Didn't you also win? Did, went there some, I remember Clyde's Garage. For some reason, I have a Clyde's Garage yeah, memory. No, 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 no. no, no. no. So you guys raked it in that night. That's what I was. It was a significant it was hundreds, amount of money, hundreds of dollars in cash, and 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 uh, I remember a couple of bar tabs because one of the bar tabs when we had to use it, we couldn't find anybody to go, and and uh, me and that other kid were down there trying to make sure we got our money. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's tough to get people to go to dark and empties. Well, no, that was at Fright City. Oh, okay. Because uh, it was like right, it was like it was about to expire, and we it was kind of oh, hey, this expires today. Yes. Well, we can't just let it go. No. And then nobody would go, so you just had to sit there and drink it all yourselves. Yeah, pretty much. It, uh, I don't remember a lot about that night, but sounds uh, like yeah. a sounds like a good, <laughs> a very productive uh, Halloween. Uh, I still recall ordering pictures of uh, Alabama Slammer shots, <laughs> if I recall correctly. <laughs> Just trying and to burn it up. Yeah. 
I, I, I think we all kind of followed you around too. Like we're, we're going from this place to this place to this place. So it was kind of a caravan. And, you know, the people that were in the contest, there were some guys in that contest that spent a lot of time on makeup and costumes. And here we are in a pair of gray sweatsuits. <laughs> I'm sure got at Lewis Drug in our Kmart. You know, but it, was the, it wasn't, again, it was, it was the theater of it. You, 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 you brought the characters. We did. It, we it, brought them to life. You did bring them to life. And it was, it was one of those moments where it's a, it's a, a copy of a copy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So your I most of my imitations, for instance, are imitations that other people do of that person. So I'm imitating them doing somebody else, and it's just yeah. it gets easy. But this, the, you guys had it all. You had an act. It was an act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should have taken it on the road. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I am Hans, and I am Franz, and we, we just, just want, want to pop. You. <laughs> there, there it is, the classic. You think uh, the kids uh, today even remember Hans and Franz? I, I don't. Uh, maybe from I know. Because he watches a rerun of Saturday Night Live. Well, that's what I say. You he, This is a little bit off point here, but that's okay. Uh, can you, like Saturday Night Live, you can go on the NBC app and watch it, you yeah. know, Monday or Tuesday. It doesn't work. No. It's not funny on Monday or Tuesday. Not Saturday Night, Saturday night Not Live. No. It's only funny live. Yeah. For whatever reason. It's a very strange thing. That's late at night. You've probably been drinking a little bit. <laughs> Again, yeah. uh, it always comes back to that. Uh, so, do you have plans, uh, by the way, for Halloween? Did, what, is it Wednesday? Is it Wednesday night? Wednesday night? No. No, you're just gonna stay home, watch some uh, Netflix or something. Yeah, probably. That's most likely. Yeah. What are you watching? Oh, Daredevil! Wow, oh, really? I'm telling you, yeah. Daredevil. That, yeah. Is that Netflix? Yeah, and, and then also uh, Jack Ryan on um, Amazon Prime. Oh, really? That's good, huh? That uh, John Krasinski kid from uh, The Office. Yep, yep. Awesome. Jack Ryan, and uh, it's very good. Uh, Just one season out on that. I'm done with that and anxiously awaiting another one. Um, Better Call Saul, that's over. Yeah, I got to go back. I think I'm still a season behind a Better Call Saul. That's that's very good as well. And, uh, you know, other than that, kind of hanging out, waiting for, uh, you know, Ballers is done. Mm Mm-hmm. And that other show about uh, what Silicon Valley that uh, yeah. you know. you're kind of in limbo. You're in you're yeah. in uh, episodic yeah. television limbo. You know, I do have six or seven episodes. You know, for uh, Daredevil to to, to do. Cool. Well, that'll bridge you. That'll bridge you. Uh, other than that, though, yeah, gotta get gotta get something all. Actually, a new program will come out on a new season uh, here in November. The Curse of Oak Island. Is that good? Oh, that's great. Oh, man, see, you they got never so find anything, but I think they will. This this is the, this is the year. This is their year they're going to get off the island. No, I asked my son. He uh, Every time I, I tell him, hey, I just watched an episode of that, and he said, let me guess, they didn't find anything. <laughs> He's maybe not a fan. Boone Man, uh, thank you very much, and happy Halloween to you and yours, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. All right, and if, you know, if somebody's got, like, Almond Joys, not a lot of people like those, and they, they kind of sit around in the bag. You can drop them off at my office. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. Coming up after the news and weather at the top of the hour, we're going to talk to Pat Powers of South Dakota War College, and then Jonathan Ellis of Argus Leader Media, and we'll be hitting a lot of politics. Good stuff. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO coming up on Thursday. It's the fourth annual Taste of Sioux Falls, five thirty to eight thirty at the Hilton Garden Inn. It's a great event. Supports the Sculpture Walk. Go down there. Coming up after the news and weather, Pat Powers, South Dakota War College. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and I'm happy to have on the line for our update from uh, South Dakota War College, Pat Powers, author of said blog, based out of the beautiful community of Brookings, South Dakota. And Pat, welcome back to the show. 
Good afternoon. It's uh, it's great to be back. Um, so uh, since you and I last talked, now we're we're getting we're we're within a week of the election, and you can the, the tension is palpable. Can you feel it? Can you feel it, Pat? You know, there I could feel a lot of tension. Uh, there's uh, both uh, both sides are out there uh, not wanting to give an inch. So uh, so it's uh, it, it's kind of a big fight. And so the last time uh, since you and I have talked last, which was last Tuesday, uh, of course, uh, the polling, the Argus Leader Media uh, uh, Kelloland News poll came out and. Uh, some interesting stuff that has kind of changed the dynamic, uh, most notably the fact that uh, the uh, uh, governor's race is basically tied, according to the poll. Well, according to the poll, uh, but that was also, the poll also came out a little, uh, a little before some of the, uh, some of the ads started hitting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so and it, and it actually took place before I, I believe before the debate yep. took place. Yep, it was the 18th uh, and 22nd, so it preceded basically a big ad dump and the debates. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's because a poll is just a snapshot for for that little slice of time. Mm-hmm. And we've uh, you know there there have been polls since and and. You know, numbers are moving constantly, but I, I mean, it shows that the race for governor is—it's—it's it's a competitive race, and uh, and you know, I, I know all uh, all the Republicans I'm talking to are being told, you know, don't stay home; you need to get out and vote. Yeah, because and and I've been talking about it here is that it it really has been kind of um, it changed the it changed the dynamic of the race. Don't you think? I mean, there was some there there had been uh, some previous sort of indicators of you know the Cook political report and these kinds of things, but this was the first hard public evidence that things were pretty tight, and then that kind of changed the conversation, not just in South Dakota but also nationally. And you were writing on your blog about the amount of money that has since come in to the race on both sides. Well, you know, you had Billy Sutton who reported receipts. Uh, you know, there's a, a 48-hour re- reporting requirement after the uh, after the report is filed that they get over certain amounts, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I believe it was uh, Democratic Action, which bills itself as a liberal and progressive uh, political action committee. Uh, they dumped 375 thousand into Sutton's race mm-hmm. in one in one shot. But, uh, you know, Christie's also been supported by Republican causes and, and people making donations. So, you know, everybody's, uh, everybody's putting their money in uh, to, to get ready for next week. Yeah, because, and this is the way it works, right? I mean, there's, there's all, the people make their contributions, the, the, whether they're organizations or, or individuals, but individuals can't give that much, so it's all pooled together into packs. And, 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 they make their donations, but they always keep a little that they can move late in a race if something seems like it's it's uh, a, some uh, a chunk of money can make a difference, and that's that's what you're seeing, right? Very much so. You know, we we had this we had this just a couple years back with uh, when uh, Rick Wyland was uh, running against uh, Mike Rounds and. People thought that the entrance of Larry Pressler caused enough of a deficit to make it worthwhile putting money into Rick Wyland. But you know, Rick Rick has always proved that it's never worth putting money into Rick Wyland in a political race. Ouch! That's, so, uh, that is so that, uh, that is a shot across the bow. We'll just call it that. Well, well prove me wrong. <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, you know that race uh, that that rumor of of uh, supposed. Uh, fire in that race uh, quickly was extinguished, uh, well, and, and they, we all saw the result of that. Yeah, I, I, but I will say there was there was a lot going on. There was a lot of dynamics in that race at that time, because it wasn't just uh, uh, liberal groups who saw an opportunity. There was some concern among Republicans that that the, the rounds campaign was maybe leaking a seal here and there. That's that's fair well, to say. You know, sometimes when the rubber hits the road. It, you know, there's people out there, and they're they're looking at it, going, you know, you could 
use a little more help here mm-hmm. and use a little more help here. You know, and I don't think we're seeing anything different in this race with Christy Nome. You know, it's it's coming down to it, and the race is close. And you know, for Christy, I, I know Republicans are coming together and and they're going to work. Uh, in fact, uh, li- literally in the last twenty minutes, uh, there was a nice endorsement letter from sixty five state legislators, uh, all telling people to go vote for Christie for governor. And at this point, some of this is, is, and there's also been the endorsements from uh, Governor Dennis Dugard, the formal, yes. you know, some videos from uh, John Thune and, and everybody else. And in fact, I've noticed uh, uh, acquaintances of mine who are in the employ of, of, uh, of the U.S. Senate have uh, been volunteering perhaps a little of their precious time to campaigning out in the field with Christy Noem as well. So you're seeing all those sources, resources coming in trying to get people to go out and vote. Well, absolutely. And, and, and uh, I don't know, I can't, you know, everything's, there's so many moving pieces. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, in the last week, uh, I believe we also had uh, uh, Marty Jackley sign a joint letter with Rounds, Thune, and Dugard uh, in support of his uh, former primary opponent, uh, yeah, Christy Noem. You know, he probably wasn't terribly happy about that. <laughs> well, there was but, some grumbling because he had he had made some sort of ambiguous statements, right? I mean, that's fair to say. You know, nobody likes losing. No, and but but you know, Marty Marty was part of the team and came together and and joined his uh, you know joined his fellow office holders in endorsing Christie. I mean, I I, I think it's. It's coming together, and it's it's all going to peak at the right time. How difficult? I mean, because in the end, the the get out the vote, some enthusiasm for Christy Nome um, can go a long way at this point if you're a Republican, because you've got that you've got that voter registration advantage. All you need to really do is get those people to the polls, right? Well, exactly, and it's a it's a big part of the operation uh, to uh, you know what we call GOTV is get out mm-hmm. the vote. Mm-hmm. You know. You, you turn out your people who you know are going to vote for your candidate. How hard is it and, to get independents to come out for you, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, because your your organization is is much more in tune with people who are registered to vote for you, identified as, as supporters, those independents, how hard is it to reach them as from a GOTV standpoint and identification standpoint to say, yeah, that's somebody we need to get there? Well, you know, you're the candidates, the, the candidates are all doing uh, voter ID as part of their get out the vote mm-hmm. efforts. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're they're calling, and if they can identify uh, a person, whether they're independent or Republican, who's in favor of their candidate, they're gonna they're gonna turn them out. Yeah, it's a lot of work. There's a lot goes into it that people don't realize, isn't there? It, you know, it's it's a it, when everything's working correctly, it's a it's a finely tuned machine and. You know, all the all the pieces are moving. And, uh, you know, that's been one of the reasons Democrats have fallen short in recent years is they really haven't had. And these are these are big, expensive efforts. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of money to make the calls and hire the people to make the calls. So it uh, you know, that's if you're not turning out your voters, uh, you might. You might look great in the polls. And but they, they used to be very at, good at it. The Democrats used to be very good at it. Very good. But, you know, as their, as their fortunes have waned in South mm. Dakota, so is the money to put into the organization to get those people out yeah. to vote. And they kind of lost a generation of people who were very good at that. They moved on. They got older and they moved on to other things. That's the way politics oh, yeah. work sometimes. Uh, we're going to come right back with Pat Powers, the author of the South Dakota War College blog out of Brookings. After this short break, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four twenty-one on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and we are chatting with Pat Powers, who pens the South Dakota War College blog at DakotaWarCollege.com, up in Brookings, uh, and is a longtime Republican. Uh, can we operative? What do you? Do you what, how do you 
don't you term yourself, uh, Mr. Powers? You, you know, that's that's a good question. I, you know, I've I've worked for the party. Uh, I've uh, I've done. Uh, you know, I, I anymore. Uh, I I'm a, a commentator, and uh, and sometimes I sell postcards. Yeah, so you do a little bit of consulting work on the side, Republican consultant. Well, but you know, I that's such a that's such a loaded term because uh, you know, to me, consulting is you're deep in in the thick of a mm-hmm. campaign, and. You know, honestly, I I don't have enough time, or and they don't pay me well enough to do that. So, you know, I'm just ha- I'm just happy selling them stuff. Oh, that's good. They're just like, uh, yeah, there you go. I like that. Um, so uh, you've been, as we say, involved in Republican politics for a long time. Uh, you know, you can't. The Republicans have had uh, a series of of really good cycles here, probably culminating in the fact that Democrats couldn't come up with anybody to run against John Thune uh, a few cycles ago. Um, but nothing like that lasts forever. Um, no, no, you know, and, and I've always thought that the pendulum, at some point the pendulum's going to swing back, but, you know, really, if you look at it this year, uh, there's only one race that anybody's talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being within a, within a, a margin. Uh, you know, Dusty Johnson in the congressional race versus Tim Bjorkman, you know who's been a generally well-funded challenger, mm-hmm. but if you if you look at the polling that's come out, Dusty's twenty twenty-three to twenty-five points ahead of Tim Bjorkman. What's now, astonishing I, I, about that is that Tim Bjorkman's uh, name recognition is so low. Sixty-two uh, percent in the Argus Leader Kello poll said they either were neutral about him or didn't had never heard of him. That's astonishingly high number for somebody who has been fairly well-funded. Well. It is, and uh, and that goes to show you, you know, you might want to. He probably needed to take a, a good, solid look at how his camp. What was he doing in his campaign? You know, he wasn't building name ID. That's for sure. No. Uh, and then if you if you look at the other races, uh, I would argue that I don't think any of the other races that are uh, below the ticket from governor, I, I don't think any of those are going to be close either. I don't know uh, about AG, I, and I don't know. I know that you have uh, uh, written, and I think you posted something on your blog just recently about, uh, was it Governing Magazine, something like that, had it, had it solidly Republican in the AG race for uh, Jason Roundsburg versus Randy Seiler, but I don't have any sense of that. Well, and, uh, you know, there's... You know, Democrats have kind of looked at that as, as hey, we actually have somebody who isn't Ron Valesky running for that race. Right. So Huge maybe game. we'll do, maybe we'll, maybe they'll stand a chance. But, uh, you know, to his credit, uh, you know, Jason Roundsburg has his naysayers, but he's one of those candidates you will not outwork him. And, uh, and I think that's evident in the support he's been able to gain across the state from sheriffs and state's attorneys and the state fraternal order of police. They, uh, but don't uh, the, I was I was going along thinking he probably had a margin uh, that he is comfortable with until very recently he has released a series of ads that have been quite sharp uh, on Randy Seiler, which generally leads me to believe that there's some concern that Mr. Seiler is better liked than they would have imagined. Well, I, I think that comes largely in, respo- in response to, uh, uh, you know, Seiler had his own fairly negative mm-hmm. ad that started out against Jason. And, you know, it, but uh, I, I know Jason had a couple of good issues where Seiler talked about uh, uh, reducing the, pe- the penalty for meth to a misdemeanor in the South Dakota public broadcasting debate. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was intentional or if he meant marijuana and said, said meth, but he said meth. <laughs> and that's a tough one to, to walk back, especially if you don't make any effort to walk it back. Well, it's part of and, a broader conversation about who we put in jail. And he may have meant that or not meant that. Either drug can get you saying, saying uh, misdemeanor on either one. And we have a felony ingestion penalty in South Dakota, and we're the only ones. And that's that may have been what he's referring to, but I don't well, know. Well, but I, I can tell you, I had my local sheriff stop me at uh, at the mm-hmm. Hy-Vee gas station and and directly brought that up and said, you know, that's not the kind of person we need in the attorney general's office. Uh, 
And to, to have local law enforcement representatives say that, that got their attention. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been know, a, that's been an interesting race, and, and it is kind of weird because you still, even even though it's competitive perhaps, you just don't hear that much about it because it's the attorney general. No, well, it's, it's a constitutional office. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with some of those races, like uh, well, especially with attorney general, I argue, you know, that one's especially, it's a double-edged sword because they look at you as, as being towards that top of the ticket like governor mm-hmm. and Congress. But you're funded at the level of, a constitutional officer because those offices don't have any real constituency to raise money from. AG isn't quite so bad because you can generally raise money from attorneys, but you know, when you're running for state auditor, nobody uh, cares. There's not, no, (laughs) 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 to to be blunt. No, (laughs) nobody, nobody cares. And you know, you're, you're relying on the Republican faithful to, to, to maybe, Throw you a bone. Support, yeah, throw me, throw me a bone because I'm, I'm, I'm taking one for the team. That's, that's kind of how it's looked at when you're uh, trying to raise money for those offices. Pat Powers, he is author of the South Dakota War College blog out of Brookings, dakotawarcollege.com. Pat, you, Pat, thank you very much. We'll talk to you on the other side. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks a lot. Coming up after the break, the news and weather with Dan Peters. We've got Jonathan Ellis of Argus Leader Media. We're going to talk about the polling and a little more politics and different things. Good times. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. We could let that go on and on, but we won't. Of course, it's uh, Led Zeppelin live. Whole lot of love for our next guest, Jonathan Ellis, reporter, columnist, and uh, all-around good guy down at Argus Leader Media. How you doing, Jonathan? Good man. Thanks for that live Led Zeppelin for the uh, late afternoon jolt. There you go. We could just let that go on and on, you know, but we won't. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, We'll just pause it here. We'll bring that back later. Um, so uh, you, Argus Leader Media, and uh, you, Argus uh, Jonathan Ellis, in this uh, ongoing uh, political campaign, we've been talking a lot about the poll that you released with those other people down the street. Um, and uh, 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 there were some interesting things in your poll. You guys must have got a lot of attention on that. There, well, I mean, for the first time in decades, there's actually a competitive race for governor, which yeah. uh, any anyone who knows anything about their, their history of South Dakota politics knows that that doesn't happen very often. So, uh, yeah, it did get a lot of attention. And uh, nationally, uh, we saw a big, I think I think you wrote it, didn't you write a story today about how much money has come in to the campaigns yeah. from both yeah, sides? It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely coming in on both sides. Uh, Democrats, uh, organizations from outside the state see this as a Again, a very rare opportunity for them to actually win a governor's race in South Dakota. And, and then I think, you know, you see Republican organizations, uh, the Republican Governors Association in particular, um, putting money into this race, knowing that, hey, this is not just a give me, uh, that we actually have to work hard to try to retain this seat. So and that's clearly what, what our polling shows. And just kind of incidentally, what, you know, what other polling that I'm aware of uh, shows that it's a very tight race. It's interesting because when I looked at it, and we talked about this on the show, um, Billy Sutton's uh, favorables were very high. That was that was impressive. The degree to which people just liked him, whether they're going to vote for him or not, you don't know. But his, I think, his favorable is like is fifty percent, right? Yeah, it was fifty percent, uh, which was the highest of any of the people I think we'd polled, and we yeah. didn't we didn't do we, normally we do a lot of other people, but. Um, it's higher than know, the president. I, <laughs> higher, yeah, slightly higher than the president. That's true. Um, and, um, I think, you know, I think that's a, a reflection of the fact that he's, he's had some very nice sort of bio ads mm-hmm. and kind of had the run of the airwaves for quite a while without, with the Gnome campaign, not really, you know, going after him or, you know, so he had very nice bio cam- uh, ads about, you know, where he came from, mm-hmm. you know, the cowboy stuff. And, and, you know, I think that that's a reflection of, of what you see with that, that favorable rating. And a great story, which he has, gets you a nice favorable rating, which he had, which uh, gets attention, which it did. And uh, I'm sure the onslaught was planned, but 
that's what negative advertising, uh, pointed uh, contrasting advertising does, is it takes down your opponent's favorables. That right. has to be, and, and the polling was done before a lot of that started to happen, before the uh, debates. Uh, that, that action, that news probably has had some effect on that favorability rating, right? Well, I, you know, I, I, I'll tell you now, and uh, I'm happy to share this with you and your listeners now. We, we will find out because we're polling again. Oh, uh, oh, oh, oh. be still so, my heart. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not, as you know, it's not something that uh, we always you, know, you do. It, you usually kind of pull once in a, in a cycle. We thought that this was interesting enough that we needed to pull it again, uh, especially after, as you point out, some of uh, both sides have gone pretty negative after each other now, and there have been the debates, uh, and so we thought it was worth um, taking a look at the race, another snapshot of the race post, you know, a couple weeks of negative ad- advertising. This is going to be kind of an amazing case study in the effect of negative advertising. It, it could very well be. Yeah, it could very well be. Um, the other interesting thing, and this has been my theory, you can tell me I'm all wet and you probably will because that's what you do. The, uh, 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 the fact is that the, the, the president's favorability rating at 49, while still high is, is below 50 and well down from his vote total in 2016 or 20, yeah, 2016, you would expect that to a certain degree, but what effect does that have on Christy Nome, who is tied fairly closely to the president. You know, I think that that, I mean, that's that among, I think among independents and among Democrats, it's a motivating factor for them to vote against her. Because for those, for those, for those Democrats and those independents who don't like the president, it, I think it helps, it, it encourages them to get to the polls, I think. Um, and, you know, I think Christy Noem, um, you know, she's had she had to tie herself a little bit to the president. Certainly, Marty Jackley did it in the Republican primary, mm-hmm. but you know, post election, um, you know, the, the president came out and did this fundraiser and raised nearly six hundred thousand dollars or so for her. Um, she needed that money. Uh, you know, she was uh, one thing people don't realize. After that primary, she had no more money. I mean, yeah. she spent it all on the primary. Um, so she, you know, obviously the president offered a great opportunity for her to sort of replenish replenish the coffers. Um, but at the expense of that is, is that you know you're even you're tied even closer to the president. So that's uh, you know that's the double-edged sword that came with that visit. Yeah, and we'll see if it plays how it plays in the next week. Uh, we're going to come right back and talk more with Jonathan Ellis as we take him out on uh, you know some of his his most uh, uh, beloved Led Zeppelin. We'll continue this whole lot of love fest here as we go to commercial. Uh, <laughs> only for Jonathan do we do this played Led Zeppelin so there you go we'll be right back on the Patrick Lally show information 1000 KSOO Forty-six on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand, and we are ch- chatting with Jonathan Ellis, reporter and columnist from Argus Leader Media. And uh, Jonathan, I, I I couldn't give you two two segments of Led Zeppelin. That's just not going to happen. Oh well, <laughs> you're right. That, if you were in the spo- studio, maybe. Yeah, that would spoil me. Right? Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've been talking about the polling that has uh, come out uh, from Argus Leader Media and Kelloland News, and. We are happy to hear from Jonathan in the last segment that there's going to be another release of uh, or new polling, another round of polling, I should say. Um, when when can we start to expect those numbers, uh, Jonathan? Our hope would be to uh, have them certainly by the end of the week um, at the at, you know Thursday Friday time frame would be. It's sort of it's a little in flux right now, obviously. You know the polling, and you know more about polling than most people do. But it, you know you got to get, you got to make sure you get a representative sample, um, so that you have, you know, uh, you don't want a large margin of error. So you have to until you get to that pool. Um, so it's kind of a moving target. But uh, you know, our hope is by the end of the week. So uh, will you do the same, the full set of questions again, or are you narrowing down to something? Uh, a few fewer races and issues. Yeah, I, I, my understanding is we're focusing specifically on the governor's race. 
Oh, interesting. Well, we will be watching that very closely. Um, uh, the other, uh, the other thing that you, uh, uh, polled on was, and uh, we don't need to talk about this too much was a house race, Dusty Johnson versus, um, um, Tim Bjorkman, you know, and I, I probably get too involved in favorable, unfavorable ratings and, and that kind of thing. Uh, well, well, a couple things were interesting to me, Dusty Johnson, Christy Noem, same favorable rating, <laughs> which now they're unfavorables. Hers are much higher than his. His are very low because it's hard to not like Dusty. But they actually had the same favorable rating. That was kind mm-hmm. of surprising to me. Mm-hmm. And then Tim Bjorkman, stunningly low, uh, 62% either think of him neutrally or don't know him at all. That's yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's tough. And I, and I think, you know, if you look at Dusty Johnson and you look at the name Billy Sutton and you look at the name Christy Noem, mm-hmm. Uh, Sutton is a common name, uh, and, and certainly Johnson is a common name. Christy Noem has, has been elected to statewide office many times now, and Tim Bjorkman is kind of an, is is out of that group is sort of the the name that you don't recognize, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you if you haven't been involved in politics or whatever, so he's a judge. Judges don't, especially if you're not you know handling big profile cases in Sioux Falls all the time or somewhere else. You know, people just don't know who he was. Right, right. Unless, unless you're the dude sitting in jail because he puts you there. But right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's some people who know him very well. Some people know him well. <laughs> they they didn't get a call for the poll. They did, yeah, they did not. We all registered voters only. Yeah, not, not, not convicted felons. <laughs> that's right. Um, now we've seen uh, 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 the uh, AG race. Now you didn't you didn't poll in the AG race. Um, but what's your sense of uh, this contest between Randy Seiler and and uh, uh, Jason Roundsburg? Because um, this is an open seat. Marty Jackley's, you know, going away. And the uh, uh, neither of those guys is particularly well known. Um, Randy Seiler is the first Democrat in a long time to that's been a, a viable candidate for attorney general. Is this race close? I mean, there's no way to really tell, is there? I, you know, there, there really isn't. Um, I, amongst the legal community, people that I've, you know, you know, lawyers and such that I've, you know, I mean, Randy Snyder clearly has the most experience mm-hmm. um, as a former prosecutor, um, U.S. attorney. I mean, yeah, so he's, he's got that, uh, the experience there. Uh, but, you know, Jason Romsberg, I mean, he, he, you know, he guy's a worker. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he's got, he, he maybe inexperienced in terms of the trial, you know, say what you want about you know his experience in the, in the courtroom, but the guy works hard. I mean, he worked very hard to secure that Republican uh, uh, nomination uh, in the uh, in their convention. Yeah. Uh, you know, out sort of outflanking some opponents there. Uh, he just outworked them from from what I've been told by some of the delegates there. So I mean, I assume he's probably working hard in this race. But if you went off of just purely off of like, you know legal experience. I mean, Randy Seiler is probably certainly just by the fact he's much older and he's been practicing law for so long. I think he's got the, the legal experience. Do you find it a little weird that in the advertising, um, uh, Mr. Roundsburg, who I believe is now in the guard, but he's got a lot of military experience that they actually call him Lieutenant Colonel or what, I think his rank is Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, it, it, that's, that's a little weird in an attorney general's race, isn't it? Well, it is. He, uh, and that, but again, that's sort of, he's been using that military experience throughout, and again, with campaigning with delegates over the years. I mean, that, that's been sort of front and center, uh, to use a military term, uh, in his, in his whole pitch to, uh, to voters, uh, you know, dealt Republican delegates. I mean, the military thing has been a, a very crucial part of, uh, who he is and who he's presented himself to, uh, in terms of voters. And, uh, we'll find out, uh, on, next Tuesday, a week from today, how that one went. Uh, but it is, it's, it's just kind of a wild card to me because it's so much different than what we're used to. And uh, who knows? I, I, have, I have no sense of that race whatsoever because there's nothing to draw on. Right. Um, so the, uh, I, I'm interested in, in, in uh, what you think about the, uh, the president's ratings. Do you think that that he his favorables have taken a hit at all in South Dakota because of the uh, trade policies and the tariffs and everything else, or is this just a natural deflation and erosion of any president's favorable favorables versus their vote total? Well, I, you know, it's probably both. Um, 
you know, amongst Republicans, I mean, he's still very popular. And you got to assume that, um, I mean, he was, I think, at 71% in May, and I think mm-hmm. he's still around, you know, or 72. I mean, he's within one percentage point. Uh, and that's that's kind of taking into account a growing season, uh, a harvest that's coming up of, of historically pretty low prices, mm-hmm. um, in part, not, you know, because of tariffs and some trade policies. But, uh, you know, I think... Um, I think that in my sense of his unfavorables among um, even some Republican, Republicans who don't like him and others is just he's not a, I mean, he comes off as brash and boastful, and, and Midwesterners kind of don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there have been just the outrageous things that have sort of come, uh, you know, uh, out of the you know, White House. Or, yeah. So I, I think that that has more to do right now with the unfavorables. Uh, then um, maybe trade policy. I think there's some of that is probably baked into the the favorable ratings. But I think if the longer this drags out, um, I think that that becomes more and more of a drag uh, on him. Yeah, it's very interesting. We'll be watching. Uh, Jonathan Ellis, he is a reporter and columnist at Argus Leader Media, and we'll be writing about some poll results later this week. They'll be watching very closely, and uh, we thank him for coming on. And, and I, we got to get you back in the studio after the election to talk about other things. That sounds good to me, man. (laughs) Awesome. We will talk to you again real soon. Coming up after the uh, break, we're going to tell you what's coming up tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Oh, this Friday, it's first Friday downtown. Always a good time, regardless of the weather. It's a special day of shopping, food, art, and entertainment in downtown Sioux Falls. Free admission to the Kirby Science and Discovery Center and Visual Arts Center, as well as just a lot of good stuff going on around downtown and, you know, food, beverage, that sort of thing. What can go wrong there, especially on a cold and rainy night, which it might be. But don't let that keep you away from downtown Sioux Falls. Coming up on the show tomorrow, uh, Democratic congressional candidate Tim Bjorkman is our guest for the hour. And Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus, Scott Hudson on Weird Friends. What a day it will be. Tune in, everybody. It's going to be fun. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO.